turn our Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Kings. We'll be in 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, the message I'm going to preach tonight uh, will uh, go in a uh, series. I'll not preach this series in consecutive weeks, at least I'm not planning on it, uh, but a culture at war with the church. Uh, I believe that uh, we can look through the lens of Scripture to discern the times that we live in today. Uh, I taught for over a year on the emerging church, as you recall, and uh, I believe if you look at uh, the climate of the last days and what the religion will be, I believe you can see things taking place in our day-to-day in our so-called churches. Uh, Also, when it comes to our culture, uh, if, you, if you study history, you know, if you know, even if you know a little about history and how our nation was founded, uh, we have a different society today uh, than we have in the years past. And our culture has changed. And I, I, I say it like this as I've been studying uh, this subject. Um, the uh, devil has for decades been working to change our culture. Much of it has been done through our public, public education system. Uh, our, our, our state colleges, that, that education system. But for decades, he has been changing our culture, and now he's unleashed the culture against the church. And uh, we need to be prepared uh, for um, the day we live in, and I believe that we can live victoriously in the day we live in. And so uh, we're going to look at a, a familiar passage of Scripture tonight, and uh, it'll be a simple message, but I think it's going to be a very important one. I think it'll help us understand uh, some of the things uh, that go on in our day, but it'll be a help in our practical Christian life as well. First uh, Kings 18 is a familiar passage of Scripture. Um, I've preached many, many messages uh, from this passage. It's the, uh, the, the confrontation with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. On Mount Carmel, we'll look at that text again tonight. Verse 17 is where we'll start reading of 1 Kings chapter number 18. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Elijah came unto all the people, and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Once you keep your Bibles open, we'll look at uh, several different verses in chapter number 18. Uh, but tonight, I've entitled this message, uh, Stuck Between Two Opinions. Look at verse 21, and Elijah asked him that question, How long halt ye between two opinions? They were stuck between two opinions. Elijah pressed them, choose a side. They were stuck between two opinions. We find a lot of that in the day we live in today. We find a lot of, uh, because of political correctness, because of fear of what society may do, Christians, God's people, stuck in the middle 
of two opinions. I believe this will be a help to us tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that uh, with the time we have remaining, the Holy Spirit of God would be our helper, our teacher, our instructor. Uh, may we uh, learn from the message tonight, learn from the scripture tonight, some things that will help us understand our stand, understand why we take a stand, and that we can be prepared uh, to be uh, on the side with you. We ask that you bless our time this evening, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we look again at this familiar passage of Scripture, we know that Ahab is the king, Elijah the prophet of God. Verse 17 and verse 18 are very revealing. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? God's man was the troubler of Israel. It's interesting, Israel, that's God's people. That's God's nation. And yet, a man of God, the prophet of God, is the troubler of God's nation. Think of the irony there. Think of the sadness there. We can parallel that in our day today. We are one nation under God. Yet it is the preachers who'll stand by the word of God and not bow to society today and declare, thus saith the Lord, that seems to be the troublers of the nation. But we find Ahab making an accusation against Elijah. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? We find in verse number 18 Elijah's politically correct answer. We find him tiptoeing around uh, what he says so that he doesn't offend the king. That's not what we find at all in verse 18. He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Think about the people of Israel. Uh, this group of people, this nation, God's chosen people, that he has delivered out of bondage. He has established the kingdom. And yet, over the course of time and generations, the culture of God's people had changed. It had changed from, we serve Jehovah God, we, 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 we listen very carefully to what he has to say, to now there is a culture, and he says, in thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken. It had changed, and now the man of God is the troubler. This was the mood of that day. I think oftentimes because we read on the pages of Scripture and oftentimes because things seem to move quickly from chapter to chapter and Elijah, we know the ministry of Elijah, that it was an easy thing for Elijah to do. It was an easy day for Elijah to live in. It was an easy way for God's people to live in that day. But no, the king himself was in control of much of what went on that day when it comes to the spiritual mood of God's people. We come to our text in verse number 21, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? In other words, how long are you going to be stuck in the middle? Get on one side or the other. Make your choice. Make your decision. If Baal be God, then get on his side. If God be God, then get on his side. And they were stuck in a place where God's people should never be. In the middle. Well, we find that in our day-to-day, -day, don't we? We find that in our pulpits. We find that in our churches. We find that in the lives of Christians. They're stuck in the middle. 
God on one side, Baal on the other, in this day of political correctness, afraid to get on one side or another. And we're going to find something very interesting, I think, in our passage of Scripture tonight. In verse 21, we find them in the middle of two opinions. Friend, let me remind you and I tonight, God is not in the middle. Matter of fact, God does not line up with truth. Truth lines up with God. Because God is truth. God expects His people to not be in the middle, certainly not be on the side of Baal, but to stand where He stands. I think of Joshua posing that question, or better yet, making that statement when he delivered the people into the promised land, choose you this day whom you will serve. It has always been a, a, a putting, putting his people in a position to make a choice. Uh, to turn with me a few verses to verse 39. When this battle takes place on Mount Carmel, and if you don't know the story, we're going to see it in just a moment. They build two altars. Elijah has an altar and the prophets of Baal have an altar. Summarizing it very quickly, and we'll go through it in more detail in just a few moments, nothing happens with Baal's altar. Fire falls and consumes the altar that Elijah has built. Look in verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. God put some things in motion to make them choose. We find them stuck in the middle in verse number 21. We find them on the right side in verse number 39. I'm afraid sometimes we as God's people go through some things when we take our stand, go through some things when we take a position when the culture around us is not for God, is against the things of God, sometimes we get confused by why God allows certain things to take place in our individual Christian lives, in a ministry, through the ministry of the church. And to summarize it, we find from one verse of Scripture, our text to verse 39, God puts some things in place so that people decide which side they are on. The book of Revelation speaks of against being lukewarm. I would either, rather you be hot or rather you be cold, not stuck in the middle. And Christian, you and I must know the Word of God. We must study the Word of God so that we line up with God. We line up with truth. We say this sometimes as preachers, I preach it to get a quick amen and and we as Christians sometimes are quick to give that hearty amen. If the whole world around us changes, we're going to stay with the things of God and all God's people said. All right, we're, we're, we, that, we like to say that. But yet we now live in a nation where it has changed all around us. But yet we're afraid to get out of the middle. We're afraid to offend the people of Baal by identifying... With God. Let's be honest. Most, but most Christians, a lot of Christians have a hard time with their testimony because they don't want to offend or they don't want the culture to react against them 
if they take a stand where Scripture takes a stand. That is the day that we live in. But let me remind you, God doesn't want His people to stay in the middle. We're not supposed to be neutral when it comes to the things of God. The beginning of this story, if you will, is how long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal's God, stand with Baal. If Jehovah God is God, stand with Him. But get out of the middle. You know what would happen in this nation if churches, if preachers would get out of the middle? Not be afraid of the backlash of society. Not be afraid of being labeled with hate speech. Not be afraid of being called names and labeled in certain ways, but stand where the Bible stands. The, the problem we have today is not with society, it's with God's people in the middle. This was not an easy thing for them to do because Ahab was a wicked king, as you know. Ahab and Jezebel had no problem putting people to death. They had no problem taking the vineyard away from good and noble men. They had no problem setting up their altars to Baal. So for a moment, let us place ourselves in the position of these people they knew, they understood the climate that they lived in. It was one of pro-Bell, anti-God. It was one of, we live in a day of wickedness. And the days of holiness were days of the past. But yet God brought a man on the scene to pose the question to his people, how long are you going to be stuck in the middle? God wants people to choose. Let me give you a few things tonight uh, that I think will be, I believe will be a help to us and make some sense to us. Look again at verse number 19 and 20. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal, plus an additional 400. So we have 850 prophets of Baal that are going to gather against Elijah. Verse 22, we see, Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even only I. So we have Elijah on one side. What are the two sides? If it's Baal, stand with Baal. If God's God, stand with God. On the side of Baal, we know there's the 450 plus the additional. On the side of God, there's the one man. There's Elijah. And as we look at this passage of Scripture through uh, the lens of what we've set as, as our foundation tonight, what we will always find when people are stuck in the middle... God always arranges a necessary showdown. And that's the first thing I want us to see tonight is we find a necessary showdown. We find the prophets of Baal versus the prophet of God. The majority is with Baal. The numbers are with Baal. The popularity is with Baal. Uh, the, 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 the government is with Baal. But God 
is with Elijah. And we have God's people in the middle. And God arranges a necessary showdown. Friend, this was an this was eye-opening thing to me when, I, when the Holy Spirit of God impressed this upon me. And I began to think of, of instances in the Scripture. God always brings a showdown. God always puts things in place. So there's a showdown versus Him or His men, His truth, and that of Baal, that of the world. See, God Himself did not need Elijah to confront them that day. God did not need Elijah to stand against all of those hundreds on that mountain. God could have reached down and could have slain all of those prophets without Elijah. God could have interceded and destroyed Ahab, but he did not do that. He put things in motion so that there would be a conflict, so that there would be a showdown. Let me just interject right here. If God did it in the pages of Scripture, He's going to do it in the day we live in today. He always allows a showdown between good and evil. If the church stands on right, if the church stands on the Bible, if the church stands for good, it's just a matter of time when the culture around us changes, there's coming a showdown with evil. God always works this way. He didn't have to use Elijah, but he used Elijah. Why? Because he wanted there to be a contrast that those stuck in the middle could see between God and Baal. He allowed the confrontation. That's why, friend, if you're going to stand on the things of Scripture, if you're going to stand on the side of God, there's going to come times in your Christian life when there's confrontation. There's going to come times when we as a church must stand on truth and there's going to be those in this culture that do not like it. God allows it to come because there are some stuck in the middle. They shouldn't be in the middle. They should be on the side of God. But God wants a confrontation. He wants a showdown because He wants there to be a clear contrast. You have Elijah. You have the prophets of Baal. He, he brings about a showdown because it forces somebody to live by faith. Elijah was a man of faith, was he not? He was a man that lived by faith. He had to have faith. Here he is in all of his boldness. He has challenged all of the, the prophets of Baal to this confrontation. Let me remind you and remind me the loser of this showdown dies. The loser of this showdown is no more. The loser of this showdown loses their life. God brought the showdown to pass because He wants there to be a showdown. He wants there to be a clear contrast. He puts His people in, in a position to live by faith. What was Elijah having to have faith in? The Word of God. When we as God's people must stand on, on, on the truth of God, what we have to depend on is the Word of God. Christian, I hope this will help you understand why when you stand for truth, there will be confrontation. There will be moments of conflict. 
in, in, our, in our community, in our society, in our own families, there will because God allows the showdown to come about. It also allows, He does it because it also allows God to get all the glory. There's not going to be a clear contrast between society and the man of God, between the majority and the minority, between the power of God and the lack of power of Baal. When it's all said and done, because it all had come to a head, Elijah was a thorn in, in, in the side of Ahab and Jezebel. And God allowed this confrontation to take place on purpose. God didn't have to allow a confrontation, just like in your own family, just like in our society, just like in our community. God could take care of it all. But He chooses not to because He wants there to be a showdown. Because He is going to show who really is God. If the 450 did not assemble with Elijah and the people were not there to see it, they never would have seen God do that great victory. And because it is in this setting, God is going to show who He is and He's going to get all of the glory. We find a necessary showdown. That's why just because there's conflict with a lost world does not mean anything other than God allows truth and error to collide. We see it in our own country today. We are more polarized than we have ever been. And it's not Democrat and Republican, although in many cases they represent the extremes. But you have those who believe, like the Bible teaches, that abortion is murder. And then on the other extreme, you have those that will murder a baby after it's born. It is, all, it, it is in our face because now God has allowed it to come to a conflict. You have the threatenings in different states of, of the hate speech and the silencing and, and we're going to do everything we can over the internet to shut you down and to quiet you down. God's allowing a conflict. Truth of the matter is, if every child of God got out of the middle, there'd be no issues in our country. But because they're stuck in the middle of two, op two opinions, for whatever reason, I can speculate, but we don't have time for that tonight. God allows a showdown to come because He wants there to be a clear contrast. He wants faith to be what's held to. And he wants when the battle is over, it to be where he gets all of the glory. Number two, we find a refusal to back down. We find, first of all, a necessary showdown. And then we find a refusal to back down. Look again at verse number 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only... Remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. That word remain, in verse number 22, I have circled in my Bible, I, even I, only remain. The man of God, the prophet of God, refused to back down in the face of the opposition. Why is it today that Christians back down when we have the truth? 
Why is it today that we see out of one side of our mouth, God will deliver, God is able, and the other side of our mouth, we back down and compromise for the sake of getting along, for the sake of a lack of pressure, for the sake of risking anything, we find Elijah refusing to back down. You know what happened in our nation if the preachers who stood behind pulpits wouldn't back down to those who wanted to cause trouble in their congregations, to those in society who, who, are, who are... We have to understand there are some in our society who hate God, who hate the church, who hate the people of God. And friend, Christians are being persecuted all over this world. Don't think it won't happen in our country. Don't think because Donald Trump is the president, it's not going to happen in the United States of America. We are closer than we, I think we actually realize to it happening because there are those who hate God with such a hatred that they'll do anything they can to destroy His name. But yet in the midst of all this, we find somebody who wouldn't back down. Hey, parent, don't back down when you're on the side of right. Christian, don't back down when you're on the side of right. This preacher's not going to back down when he's on the side of right. We have a refusal to back down. Let me remind you again, the loser dies. There's something at risk here. Elijah, read the story. When it's all said and done, he slays the prophets of Baal. So please get over the preachers, they have mean spirits. He slays the prophets of Baal. Do we not think if it had been reversed, they would have slain Elijah? His life was at stake. Elijah was real, willing to risk it. Because there's something greater at stake here than Elijah's life. It's the name of God. It's the truth. It's standing for right. And friend, today as a Christian, you and I, it's necessary for us to stand for truth. Well, pastor, if we hold to the things that we've always held to as a church, there's some people that will not come. Well, then they do not come. Because it is worth standing for right. It is worth standing. There cannot be a back down when it comes to the truth. With God as my helper, I make the covenant to you. I will not back down from a scriptural position. I'm not going to do it. If society changes, if the world changes, if it's me preaching to my own family because I make them be here and that's it, I'm not going to back down because there needs to be a refusal. Well, what's the cost? It doesn't matter the cost. There is a risk. There is going to be a cost. But the name of God deserves for somebody to stand up and declare that He is still God. He is still on His throne. And we've got to understand and get to a place where we're not backing down. We're not backing down off of the Word of God. Uh, Elijah, we know that in another passage of Scripture, God reminds him, there's a thousand that haven't bowed the knee. But at least on this day, they weren't standing with him. He says, I, only I, remain a prophet. He was the only one there. Friend, we've got to get to a place in our society where it's more important 
For us to stand and be a voice for God than to hold hands and sing kumbaya and all get along. I'm a very agreeable person. I, 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 I'll, I'll sit across the table and eat tacos with just about anybody. But truth is truth, right is right, and we're in the place that we're in. Don't we get frustrated at, at the politicians? You got elected saying you were going to do, and yet you get in a position and you get a little pressure and you back down. You back down. Oh, they say something bad about you and you back down. They're going to oppose you and you back down. We get frustrated at them, but we who name the name of God, do we back down? Every Christian, especially the young people in the room, listen very carefully to me. Count the cost of standing. I, only I. But God has brought this showdown to a head. It's not going to end the way Ahab thinks it's going to end. We find a refusal to back down. We see thirdly, in verse 26, you know the story, but let's read a few verses in verse 26. And they took the bullet which was given them, and they dressed it, and called the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. It came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey. Or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. It came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Notice this next part of the verse. That there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. God had brought this showdown. Because some were just stuck in the middle. There's going to be a clear contrast. We have the man of God with a refusal to back down. And here we find number three in this part of the scripture, the letdown. They have worshipped. They have made a scene. They have cut themselves. And as an all-day ordeal... And nothing has happened. Can you imagine the letdown that must have been? After all, they had the backing of the king. After all, they had the majority. They had the crowd. They had the noise. They had the popularity. But when it was all said and done, it's nothing but a letdown. Because there was no power. Because Baal is not a god. Baal was a false god. Baal has no power. Baal had no ability. And see what God had done, he had allowed this showdown to take place. He had found somebody who would be faithful and willing to stand. And now he's going to show a clear contrast. And there's going to be a letdown that there was neither voice 
nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Friend, that's not what I want my wagon hitched to. Just because there's popularity, just because there's ease, just because it's the society of the day, when it's all said and done, when I pray, I want somebody to hear me. When I pray, I want an answer. When, 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 when I serve, I want to know that I'm serving the true God. What a letdown we find in our passage of Scripture tonight to the point where we're so obvious. Elijah's making fun of them. I've often said I would love to see Elijah with a social media account. It would be quite entertaining. What a letdown. Then we come to number four, and we'll be through. We find in verse number 36, once it's Elijah's turn, he's repaired the altar of the Lord. He had men fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he had them do it again. Then he had them do it again. Bear in mind, we have God's people stuck in the middle of two opinions. I like to call it a politically correct position. A position of no pressure. A position of no risk. Elijah says, we're going to get on one side or the other. And let me remind you, as the foundation of our message, that's what God wants. He wants his people on one side or the other. You, you think of this thought, and then you think of the scripture that should come to your mind. Uh, you can't love the world and God. You can't serve the world and God. If you're a friend of the world, you're my enemy, God says. No Baptist came up with that. God said that. Because God wants you on one side or the other. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. There's a choice. And we have God's people who stay in that middle, stuck in that middle uh, position. And now we have Elijah saying, pour the water four barrels full, uh, more than once, more than twice, three times. Then look at verse number 36. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Notice the wording of his prayer there. This people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. His prayer is, he posed the question, how long halt ye between the two opinions? How long are you going to be stuck in the middle? Now in his prayer we have, Lord, hear me so that they may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Hear me so that they'll get on the side that they should get on. In verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell. We saw, first of all, a necessary showdown. Then a refusal to back down. Then we saw very quickly the letdown. 
fourthly, we see the calling of the fire down. And God brings about a necessary showdown. Good versus evil, right versus wrong. And there are those stuck in the middle, stuck between two opinions. But yet we find Elijah being able to call the fire down. Friend, that's what we need again in our churches, in our homes, in the lives of a Christian. More than we need a march on Washington, D.C., more than we need to launch another GoFundMe page, we need Christians who can call the fire down. It's an amazing thing. I find a parallel here. The fire comes down after Elijah stood. After he was willing to live by faith. After he was willing to die on Mount Carmel. After he was willing to stand for God. After he was willing to put himself out there where he can't walk it back. After he was willing to look the king in the face and say, Oh no, we're not the trouble. I'm not the trouble of Israel. It's you and the generations before you who have turned away from God. If there's anything, we see here so much, and this is where I'll lose even some of my independent, fundamental Baptist preacher friends. There's not going to be a revival in this nation if nobody's willing to stand on Mount Carmel and look the prophets of Baal in the face and say, he's not God, he never was God, he's not going to be God. Well, there's too much to risk today, and there's, there's too much popularity to lose. Revival's not coming unless somebody is willing to stand. Churches are willing to take a position against what is popular, against what is politically correct, and stand on the things of God. And as Esther said, if I perish, I perish. I'm willing to pay the price because God is worthy for somebody to stand. God is worthy for... If I'm going to lose my life, God is worthy of that to take place. If I'm going to lose something, God is worthy for the sacrifice to be made. There's not going to be a revival no matter how many hashtags we tweet on social media, no matter how many many times that we, we pray for revival, it's not going to happen if we're not willing to stand because the fire falls after the confrontation. The fire falls after the showdown. The fire falls after the letdown. When there's, the fire falls after there's no back down. You want God to break through for you? Stand. I say this often. Everybody in this room, probably everybody in this room has a family member who's away from God. Has a family member who's caught up in all this false doctrine, this mess, this emerging church stuff. Just about all of us in here would have somebody we know. And the, the tendency is to give in. And, I'm not, and I believe in being courteous. I believe in, in not fighting battles that you don't have to fight. But I believe truth is one that you and I should be willing to stand on. Let me just help you. I've said this before. You'll never get them back by giving in. Never. The, the hope that we have for God to reach into their heart and to squeeze that backslidden heart and, and, and to, to pull them out of what they're in is to stand on truth. 
it's sad to say in a lot of towns in our own nation, when there's a, there's a confrontation on Mount Carmel, there's nobody to stand and represent the sight of God. In your home, is there somebody willing to stand? In your family, is there somebody willing to stand? In the city of Jacksonville, Florida, I would like to the hope and believe, and I believe it's true that the Emmanuel Baptist Church is willing to stand for truth and right, and what has always been true and what has always been right is still right. It's still salvation by grace. There's still one Savior, and that is Jesus Christ Himself. Holiness is still in the Bible. The King James Bible is still the Word of God. We stand where the Bible stands, and we have to be willing to make that stand if we want God to do a work. Boy, I wish Christians could grasp this. The fire, notice how simple the prayer was. He didn't have to dance on the altar. He didn't have to cut himself. It wasn't even an all-day ordeal because he had stood. You know what gets God's attention? There's a lot of things that gets God's attention. Faithfulness, as I preached this morning, gets God's attention. Don't be distracted by me closing my Bible. My notes are still up there. Faithfulness gets the attention of God. Holiness gets the attention of God. Righteousness gets the attention of God. Standing gets the attention of God. Parent, you ought to stand for what's right. You ought to demand what's right in your home, whether your kids like it or not. Whether they like it or not. We, ought to, we have to preach the truth of the Word of God, whether society likes it or not. Because you know what can change the heart of man? The fire of God. But the stand comes before the fire. The prayer it's just a simple prayer. And Elijah had God's attention. Because Elijah was the man of God. But he was willing to risk it all to stand. And society, and you watch in the years to come, God in our own nation, I believe, is going to allow showdowns to take place. There's some taking place in our country right now there's some spiritually speaking in, sadly, churches and Christians and preachers don't even realize what it's about. But they're showdowns. The right to stand and preach in this pulpit. The right to stand and preach the word of God without fear of consequence. Oh, the forces are being assembled on Mount Carmel. Somebody's got to be willing to stand. As you know, I love history. I love the history of our nation. And the more and more I read about those founding fathers, those ones who fought, for our revolu fought the revolution for our independence, they risked everything. They knew. Now we look, we're, we're Americans, right? That's what we are. You know, when it comes to that, we're a little braggadocious. We're the two-time defending World War champions. You know what I'm talking about? And we look back hundreds of years later and we look at the boldness and the brashness of those men and they say, man, we need some more of that. And we do. But they all believed they were going to be hung. They all believed they were going to die. 
they signed their name to the Declaration of Independence anyway. Because they believed in the idea of liberty and freedom. And on a side note, it's sad. We have leaders in our own nation who would spit on that same document. And quite frankly, they don't care who knows about it. But before we throw rocks politically, let's look at this spiritually. Our Baptist forefathers were willing to be burned at the stake. All they would have to do is recant the name of Jesus. In some cases, all they would have to do is let the Catholic Church baptize their child. That's it. And they would let them live. But instead, they allowed themselves to be tied to a stake and burned to death. Why? Because the Catholic Church has no right to baptize my child. Well, it's, it, it doesn't mean anything. No, it does mean something. It does mean something. But yet we've come generations later. And we as Christians are too afraid because of the consequences of what might happen to say what should be said. Or better yet, just to stand where we should stand. I, I want revival in our city. I want revival in our nation. I'd love to see revival spread across this world. And in many places there are many, many people being saved. But you study history. You study the Word of God. Without a stand, there is no fire. Without a stand... There is no revival. And our stand's got to be right for the fire to come down. Don't be alarmed when a necessary showdown begins to assemble. What do we do? We can't back down. And what the world will find out, that which they hold to is just a letdown. And after the stand, we'll be in a position to call the fire down. Because God will deliver. God is true. I trust this helps us tonight. We don't need to be in the middle. Every mom and dad stand for where you are, stand for right, stand for truth, no matter the consequence. As a church, we stand for right, we stand for truth. I, I, I believe we ought to stand on the Bible truth that salvation is by faith. I, I'll stand for it. I'd pay a heavy price for that. I would hope that if it came to it, I would, I would never change that no matter the consequence. And I don't believe I would. I'd stand for that. But I believe every Bible principle. We ought to stand for every Bible principle for the same conviction, with the same conviction as we would stand by our own salvation. We must, we must stand. When we stand, God does that which we cannot do. Father, I pray that you'll...